Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carl's and Sean. Carl's, we have a, you know, a, a really, really talented writer who's going to join us a little bit later in the show. A colleague of ours, uh, Lindsey Green, to, and she's going to talk to us about the Detroit Free Press and Metro Detroit Chevy dealers' top 10 new restaurants and dining experiences. We know what Lindsey brings, but Pulitzer, Pulitzer nominated James Beard award-winning food critic and, and just general food writer and general life, writer of life. I mean, that's that's what makes her so good. And we're going to kind of pick her brain about the list. She's going to talk about as much as she can and just and just food in general and Detroit dining scene. That is later in the show. We look forward to that and look forward to having her. But in the meantime, since this is technically a sports podcast, we figured we ought to talk some sports. And the Lions season, as far as I know, is over. And that can only mean the, the, the Red Wings are rolling, and I know we're gonna get we're gonna get to them at some point here soon. The Detroit Pistons are, what would you say, Carlos? I don't even know what to say about this. <laughs> the, the the Detroit Pistons. Tyrese Halliburton said he took it personal where they didn't draft him. So there you go. How about that? How about that? Just to 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 twist the he knife. Be thankful to twist should be. twist the knife a little bit more, Pistons fans. But we do have a couple of college basketball teams, Carlos, Michigan, Michigan State. You actually wrote about about Michigan. I think you were went in trying to write about Ward Manuel. It led to uh, it led to uh, some some things about Jawan Howard, and we're going to talk about that. But before I ask you my first question, Carlos, actually this is related to my first question for you. I, I want to let the listener know that I I realized something about our buddy Carlos in the pregame, as it were, the pre the pre show chat when we're talking about what we're going to do. And he was talking about going to restaurants and uh, some special occasions with his family and trying to get into some restaurants in Detroit on the weekends. And just the, the the way he talked about a listener was just like it was, he was lugging 100 pound bags of flour up 10 flights of stairs. Just like this arduous, I'm going to go go climb, climb Mount Hood or whatever, just to get to a restaurant. He's like, oh, I can't do it. You got to wait. And, and I could hear the impatience in his voice. He didn't want to, he doesn't want to wait. You don't want to be surrounded by people. That gave me a clue, listener, into some of why he writes. His, you know, hey, Steve Eisenman, when are you going to go make a move? I'm tired of waiting. Hey, Scott Harris, you, you, you need to get to the World Series right now. Enough's enough. I guess he can't say that about Brad Holmes, although I bet he will in the offseason. Where is the, the, the shutdown cornerback? Where's the edge rusher? I've had it. I'm tired of waiting. I finally figured that out. I'm relating Carlos's inability to wait at a noodle shop to the way he writes about it in the sports teams around here. I thought that was some good insight and good to see it, you. It's very good insight. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the opposite of you of like, you know, 1957, it's fine. Let's keep going another 65 years. I get it. It's a, it's a process. Brad Holmes, you're doing a great job. You know, let's, 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 let's keep, let's keep it up. You know, participation trophies all around everybody. Now, with the restaurants, I mean, I don't know how how anybody feels about this, but maybe we'll talk to Lindsay about it a little bit later. But just it's tough if you want to go on a weekend to any of these, you know, great restaurants that Lindsay writes about and we have in the free press. And it's really hard to find a reservation at a reasonable time. I mean, if you're not, you know, I guess if you want to eat at 4.30 p.m. or or 9.30 p.m., you're okay. But, you know, it's just it's just tough to. And I. You know what? And, and, and to me, it's one of those things also, I, you know, look, if you go to a nice restaurant, whatever it is, you know, Hey, they got a bar, you can hang out for a little while or something, you know, okay. 
that, that's not too bad. But when you don't take reservations and there's really nothing to do other than sit around and look at your shoes, that's that's a harder I'm not going to call anybody out, but, you know, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had this experience. And so I, I'd like to get into these restaurants. And I don't know if Lindsay, you know, part of the thing is because if it's her it's her job. I'm sure she doesn't just go on the weekend. She probably has to hit these places on Tuesdays and Wednesdays just to make it a little bit easier on herself. Um, tell them who so, you are. Tell them who you are. That That's the way around it. Definitely. And I'm not going to tell them who I am. They're definitely either not going to let me in or spit in my food. So I am Carlos Menares or Los, as my friends call me. Yeah. Just tell them who you are. They'll let you right I'm in. I'm Sean Windsor. I know Sean Windsor. Nobody, like that. nobody knows. Nobody knows who I am, but they, but they know who, they know who Los is. And look, here's how I see it: you should be able to stand there and wait and hang out and not look at your shoes and just be reasonably okay that you're alive and talk to the people around you. Twenty or, minutes sitting in a vestibule, yeah, standing in a vestibule. Talk to with the a people, bunch of other people. Talk to the people you're there with. I presume that you love, so they're probably yeah. okay people and interesting people. Sit there and chat with them. Use that time to catch up with your kids if your kids are there. You know what I mean? <laughs> there are other things to do than just be fuming at the world. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Well, I'm not fuming. I just don't go to these places or we just do takeout. I mean, that's what the world has really become is like just takeout world, you know? I know. Well, I shouldn't I shouldn't be one to talk. I, I don't really go out. I, I go out very, very little. I, it's either cook or, and we don't cook as much as we used to. It's mostly takeout. And it's just kind of it's just kind of where we're at. That's sort of sad, I guess, in a way. But uh, you get new routine. You get to a certain age, and you yeah, you just bring it home. And and the other thing about that is, if it's just two of you, you can get you can just go get one order if you carry out, and you can share it. So it's not, you know, in some ways, it's cheaper than going to the grocery shopping and cooking. You know what I mean? And depending on where you're getting uh, takeout from, maybe. Uh, well, no, maybe. think about it. I mean, it, it, if you think about what. What's the the average amount you spend when you go to a grocery store for dinner? You know, for dinner, just buying dinner. Yeah, if you go buy all the ingredients you want for dinner, what's the average amount? And I don't mean you know get a frozen prepackaged meal, but if you want to cook, we made stuffed peppers the other day and bell peppers and some ground turkey and onion and you know that was that's three meals that we got out of that. I don't think that's very expensive, but no, no. I know you're having the dry age. No, no, no. Shot, but seriously, shot, what was, so. what's, the, what's the ground turkey? The seven bucks a pound? Yeah, it was probably like some, something like that. Another, seven bucks a pound. And, and what'd you pay for the peppers? Five, six bucks? Pepper, I mean, six peppers, buck 50 each, something like that. Yeah. So that, that's, that's 10, that's 10 bucks. So we're, 10, we're, 12 bucks. we're, it's just, we're, we're at 17 bucks already. That's just with the peppers and the turkey. No, obviously yeah, all the spices. Twenty dollars for for all that. Yeah, and then that doesn't include the. But that doesn't include salad or whatever else. You know ex exactly. So to me, it's a, it's usually about twenty bucks. Now you can maybe spend forty and get three meals out of it, or thirty for whatever. And there are ways around it. But but yeah, you're looking at twenty bucks. And the other night I went to a, a local place called the No Tie. It's fine, whatever. It's kind of like fast food tie. It's not fast food fast. Food. I mean, they make it from scratch. And I got an entree and a couple of little spring rolls. It was nineteen bucks, and that 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 fed both of us. And, wow, and so, that's so, a lot. so that's that's how I look at it because you don't think about what you're spending at a grocery store. It's hard to go get dinner at a grocery store for less than nineteen. You know, I mean, you 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 can do it, you can do it, but but you're talking per. I mean, that was just one serving though for you, right? I mean, just that. Now there's the usually the, and the whatever. Yeah, and then, and then, and then you usually get a lunch out of it too. You know. Okay. So well, then you have to break that down into two meals. You know. And so if you're cooking. I mean, I, I don't know how you are, but when we cook, 
we almost never cook just for a one-time meal because it's such a pain in the butt to cook. It's got to be at least two meals. Well, we do in the winter. We do that more. We we make a meal like you make a pot of spaghetti. The other night we made a pot of turkey chili, whatever, and that lasts for a while. That that could also be there for the kids if they stop by. I don't know how we got onto this. This is a long way from Michigan, Michigan State, but but no, but this is real stuff that that people are grappling with out there, right? I mean, it's being yourself is is a chore right now. You know what I mean? In in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's always been hard. I mean, but you know, if you're you know financially, sure, the cost of everything is going up. The the uh, you know ingredients and all that stuff, transportation of you know material and all that. I mean, sure, it's it all. It's more in the in the last probably five years. It seems like the the prices have gone up a lot more. No, and, and you and you feel it. And, and look, and you still hey, save your money, go out. Well, you know, Lindsay is gonna talk about the Detroit dining scene, and that's still great and fun and special occasions and all of that. All right. Okay. We, we look forward to that. But in the meantime, man, it's funny. The, the the Lions just turned this world upside down. You know, we're not used to having good things to say about them in January, right? I mean, it's still sort of, the Super Bowl has been, what, a week and a half uh, ago? It's still sort of lingering out there a little bit. But, but what, what's, you use the Lions are usually not very good. The Wings are good right now, but they have not been good, not super competitive for a while. The Pistons, obviously. And so Michigan, Michigan State basketball have been really good, and not so much lately, but they had like a 10-year run of where one or the other was really, really good. And it's just, it's kind of at a, I don't want to say a super low point. It is for Michigan for sure, but what do you make of what's going on with these two programs right now? They're not, they're not providing the normal winter boost to our region. Well, I'm very disappointed, but mostly in you, Sean, because you wrote a really nice hype piece in the summer. You went to some, you know, high school basketball gym or whatever, watched Michigan State play and said, you know, they were, you were assuring us of a final four spot. Um, I don't remember writing you know, that number, part at number all. Number one or one A. What did I write? Class, I wrote, he's so. got, a, I wrote, he's got a lot to figure out. He's got pieces, but he's got a lot to figure out, which he still is not. Oh, but he's got pieces. It's very promising. And this this might be the team that, you know, he needs and wants. And he's been working. So Hogard is amazing. All these things, you know. And and it's, it's for Michigan State, I mean, it's, you know, they're still, they're going to make the tournament. They're going to be, what, an eight or nine seed, something like that. Unless, right? they, so, unless they go beat Purdue, which is very unlikely. So they'll be in the mix. You know, I don't know how far they'll get, right? That's always the question. That, that, but you know what that means, right? Eight or nine seed, that means they're playing a one seed if they in their second game, which yeah. means they're not going to get out of the first weekend. So, yeah. You know, but right now, as you know, you wrote a really good piece the other day when when the Spartans came to to Chrysler Center and put a beating on your on your Wolverines. And, you know, not a beating, but they... But they 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 took over that arena, and right now it's uh, that program is in uh, in a free fall. You know, they're they're nothing's going well. Jawan Howard's on, you know, on the firing block. Ward Manuel won't pretends he's not watching anything. I guess. I mean, I don't know what he's. He just doesn't want to address it, and you know, sticking to the whole. I don't make, and I get it. That's okay. Don't make. Do you don't want to fire people? Whatever. Do decisions in the mid season of any sport. Okay, that's fair. But, you know, I think he's he's clearly not telling the truth that he's not making if he doesn't know what he wants to do with Juwan after this, he's at, at this point. Come on. I mean, you know, you're you're just not telling the truth there. But I mean, how what was that environment like when when it was it, it felt like Breslin Center Junior, right? Well, it, rem- it reminded me of the 
in the days before Beeline got there, the, excuse me, sorry about that, the Brian Ellaby, Tommy Amaker days. I know Ellaby had one. <laughs> and Tommy Ellaby had one. Ellaby did have one good year. I think they, didn't didn't Ellaby win the inaugural Big Ten tournament? I think I, I think when when Tractor Trailer and those guys, I think he did. But Lewis Bullock, no, that's what it reminded me of. There was there was a stretch where Michigan State was really really good. And Michigan was not, and this is before John Beeline. And state fans would completely take over Chrysler. I've actually seen more state fans than even last weekend when Michigan, Michigan State played at Chrysler. So, but it reminded me of that. It was green everywhere, the go green, go right chance. The only difference is, well, some of those games were competitive back then. But, and I want to say, I'm trying to remember what kind of streak Michigan State had over Michigan. It was decent at one point. So, yeah, it just, it, it, and and the thing about it is, is this is not a vintage Izzo team. I mean, this is not, you know, he's he's got issues, as you can see by the way they play and their record. And it's funny because state fans are, they're starting to be more and more state fans that are ready for Izzo to go. I don't think that's the majority. It's hard to know that without a scientific poll. And even then, it's still social science. It's not a hard fact. But they're down and frustrated, and part of it's the context. But let, let's talk about let's talk about the context here, and let's, and let's stay with Jawan Howard because, in a vacuum, a second two bad years in a row, when you've had three pretty good ones, one really good one, doesn't necessarily get you fired outside of Kentucky, Indiana, maybe Kansas, right? You know, it, it doesn't get you fired at a football school, even a football school with a with a rich history in basketball, which is what Michigan has, right? In, in that vacuum, I, I don't think it's just the losing last year and this year. This year is on a pace to lose as much as maybe they ever have. But I still don't think it's just that. I think there are a few other factors, and I'm curious what you think. I think part of it is Howard's, Jawan Howard's, in the incident when he slapped the coach in Wisconsin. I don't. I don't think the screaming match with Mark Turgeon and, and the Maryland's coach at the time at the Big Ten tournament. I don't know that that one lingers, but the one at Wisconsin does. And then this year, earlier this year, the the whatever happened with Johnson Henderson, the strength and conditioning coach, who was really highly regarded and who was Beatline's guy for a long time, and I'm, I've always enjoyed talking to him. I, I think I think those two things combine the fact that he's got one guy in his recruiting class next year. So it's not to losing as much two years as much as. Who's coming in and can he build? I, I think he's a good coach, but can is he a program builder? I mean, right? The, yeah. That's that's the issue. And and I think that's why people want him gone because they don't think he's going to be able to do this. Like, hey, if we give you more time, you know, I mean, he 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 recruited. He got, he had two lottery picks last year out of the draft. But can you, you, you know, you can't necessarily win just that way. So I'm, I'm curious. Do you think it's just this losing? Or do you think there's a sense that, hey, where's this headed? Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, that's a good point. If you look at the whole, the program holistically, right? Everything, the recruiting, uh, the way he carries himself, the way he, you know, represents the university, these, these outbursts, these, whatever it is, you know, conflagrations with, you know, in-house, outhouse, you know, like with other coaches, it's just, I think if you were just winning and winning and winning, nobody would care. I mean, yeah, he, you know, he, I'm not going to say he's Bobby Knight, but in that vein, right? Somebody who's charged up and emotional, whatever it might be, you know, you know, passionate, you know, that, that's, that goes with it sometimes in, in college basketball and in coaching and college, but, you know, you put it all together 
And it's just not a good look, you know, and they're, they're going to miss the tournament for the second straight year. You know, he's out of beelines guys. So this is his program, you know, out right now. So I, I just don't, I don't see how you can feel good about this and, and what gives you, you know, any kind of hope for, for, for continuing and getting this better. And, you know, he's got a pretty reasonable buyout, you know, he's got two years left, but he's got a buyout after this year for 3 million, I think. And, you know, it, it really is just time to move on. I mean, you brought it up, you know, the, the health issues with the, the heart issues, and maybe he just needs a reset. Maybe he needs to, you know, move on, you know, and it just doesn't, you know, there, it's not like the, you know, I mean, they're the worst team in the big 10, but this whole, I, I, as a basketball thing, I mean, the frustrating part of the Michigan season for, is it they're, they're, they're okay for the first half, even into the second no, half they, a little they, bit. Yeah, and then they just fall they, apart. They've got some talent. I mean, they they whipped Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago, right? Now Wisconsin has been struggling, but still, Wisconsin's a good team, and and they they beat them, they handled them actually. I thought they outplayed Michigan State for a lot of the night last weekend. It's just it's it's so you, they've they've got some talent. I saw part of the fan base was upset that he, you know, played zone down the stretch of that game, you know, because they were trying to come back. Well, it here's the thing: this is this is sort of Howard in a nutshell. That and and fans were frustrated; he wasn't showing more passion and emotion from the from the, and that is part of it too, right? It's when you're losing, all of a sudden, everything you do is is, is under such scrutiny that you can say, well, you should be this, and you should be doing this, or acting this way, or not acting that way. And he zoned up for the last what, two and a half, three minutes of that game? Well, Michigan State didn't score for the last three minutes, maybe until a free throw with a few seconds. I can't remember. But so there's own work. So his his call, and I don't know if it was assistant telling or whatever, but their, his decision to do that worked. They just couldn't score. So I, I, seven minutes, the last seven no, minutes, they, they couldn't score. They, could, score. they couldn't score the last seven minutes. And he switched his defense up the last three, and there were some complaints about, I can't believe you're trying to go man to speed him up, get turnovers. Well, they stopped Miss. Michigan State didn't score either at that point. And so that was the right coaching move. It's just that they can't score. And, you know, Doug McDaniel's a good player, but he's got – so that's the thing. I, I, I think strategy-wise, X and O's-wise, I, I think he's good. He comes, out of, he, he comes out of one of the best film rooms in the NBA, if not the best, and Eric Spolster in the Miami Heat. The guy knows ball. Does he have a feel for rotations, managing a game? You know, he looked like he did a few years ago. You know, but but you know those are those are quibbles to me. The bigger issue is can he find players and keep them and develop them because that's how teams are winning right now in college basketball. You know, you're not really seeing a bunch of lottery picks on the same team that are going to leave after one year. That 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 has not has been as successful. You know, I mean the the team that he won with the last time he got to the, this is crazy. He got to the Sweet Sixteen two years ago. He had Eli Brooks. I was Beeline's kid or Beeline's guy. It was a fifth year senior and a guard. But the rest of that team was his. And, you know, you're starting to develop. They, you know, you Hunter Dickinson. You know, you you hear him complain, Carlos, after the Illinois loss, that he thanked Illinois because of Terrence Brown. Or Shannon Brown, Terrence Brown. I'm, I'm always I'm mix, <laughs> mixing it. Who had committed to Michigan, but they couldn't get in because of that was ag- weird. academics. And then they also had Caleb Love, the transfer, I want to say, from North Carolina, who was going to come and couldn't get in for the same reasons you you know, some people, if you want to defend Howard, you can say, well, if you, if Michigan lets those two guys in, does Dickinson leave? Maybe he does because Kansas is so much more NIL money. That's another issue. You know, 
maybe maybe Howard can build a program, but not here, right? I mean, that that that's possible. The, the kind of the way he wants to build a program, and it's just maybe the way Beeline built a program is how you have to build it in Michigan. I I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to argue bringing him back. It 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 it, it is because of, yeah. because of everything. If he had more people, more if he had a recruiting class out there, you could maybe see it. You know, if he had some young, promising. I mean, Doug McDaniel's. Is is promising. You can you can change fairly quickly in basketball. It's just a couple of players sometimes, right? Sometimes yeah. one guy, but the right players. Yeah. yeah, no, sometimes one. I mean, it can change fairly quickly. So I don't know. I don't get the sense that they're going to fire him. No, uh, I, I think that I, you know why not? I just don't think that's how Ward Manuel does things, and he's been publicly supportive of him. I'm, I mean, I guess if they go winless the rest of the season and they're all blowouts, maybe. Maybe I just don't get the sense that that what that's what Michigan's going to do. I mean, maybe he's thinking he had luck with with Harbaugh. Harbaugh obviously had a, a resume before he got to Ann Arbor in a way that Howard does not. But Howard did have a few good years, and he had one really good year. And people say they were with Beeline's guys, but they weren't really. They they had Isaiah Livers and Eli Brooks, and he got Franz Wagner. He recruited Franz Wagner. I know Beeline was after him, but. But he hit big. I mean, they had Dickinson in the middle, and he hit big in the portal with Shawnee Brown and Mike Smith, who was their point guard. So that was more his team than Beeline's team, and they were really good. And you th- and I remember some of the players at the time, Carl's talking about how they felt liberated with Howard and how he understood him in a different way, and they were, and they played their butt off for him. So it's hard to know what happened. Maybe maybe Ward Manuel Carl's is thinking if Howard can get healthy and sort of reset. You used that word earlier. Maybe he, he gives him one more chance. I don't know. He sure wasn't at Kentucky, right? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, you. I just if you want to if you want to endure, uh, he, here's the problem: is right now it's it's so bad, right? And what happens if you don't want if you're Ward Manual and you don't make decisions, you don't fire people in the middle of the season? What if next season is just as bad or worse? What do you do then? You got to go through a whole nother season. You got to go through one of the worst seasons in a long time for Michigan basketball, and then you got to maybe do a re a, a replay of that. I mean, if you think the fans are howling now, the alumni, the donors, all that, and you gotta you're gonna go through a whole nother season of this. Now, if there was if there was some clear clear insight of like, oh, help is on the way. We're getting this person. We're getting what you know whatever. Or if it had been a thing where you know, something extraordinary had happened where, you know, you you lost a, you know, for sure lottery pick or two or something, right? Like th- this is going to change. We know this is changing. This is an anomaly, but it's been two years of not good. And now you're going to go into a third possible straight year of it. And you're, it's going to be the whole year for sure. Now, yeah, if you want to look at it as generously as possible, like, yeah, maybe maybe things change. Maybe he gets, you know, he, lucky he, in the he portal, gets a better class. Right? Maybe he gets he, lucky he in the portal. He uses the portal and he gets the right people and maybe some NIL money comes down from the heavens and whatever, you know, and he's able to turn it around. But you also have to look at, you know, that's, you know, look at the look at the the best possible situation. Do you really see, do you really see Michigan, like you said, you're one or two players away usually, right? But do you really see this dramatic turnaround? Do you see that? Do you see the possibility of that? Or do you see more likely 
the continuation of the same end, what's not going to change is Juwan Howard himself. He's still going to he's still going to be scrappy. He's still going to have, you know, probably not the most controlled person, you know. And if you it's okay if you want to live with that, if you're Ward Manual like, hey, he's he's a passionate dude and and you know, takes on people and, you know, other coaches and his own staff and whatever, you know, if you if you're okay with that, then you're okay with that, I suppose. Only Ward Manual knows. Yeah, it just depends. I mean, to me the the, the bigger question is they went 10 years without making the tournament. That wasn't that long ago. Now, Beeline came and was obviously great. Got him in two title games. I don't, I'm trying to one, what, three or four Big Ten titles, a couple of the tournaments, the Big Ten t- t- title tournament or tournaments, Big Ten tournaments. Sorry. So he he, he sort of reestablished a standard. Actually, I, you know, you could argue he set a standard that nobody had ever done over that course of for that long. I mean, they obviously had, had success before Beeline. The shoot, they won a national championship. But and we're regularly good there for a while in the eighties and and then obviously through the Fab Five era and even the post Fab Five era that that group that came in after them Maurice Taylor and all those guys those teams were good and those players are great at pros but they went into this ten year desert this wilderness and it it, it just it, it it happens and so my question is did Beeline change the, the the DNA did he change it chemically at the cellular level okay we got to have this basketball program. Or was he just, oh, this was great. This was fun while we were scuffling with the football program. I mean, what, so to me, the, the, at the highest places the, with the donors, the alums, and at the top of the university, what are they? What, what, what matters? How much does it matter to them? I mean, to me, that's, that's the question about whether Howard will be back. Is it? Is it well, because, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. They went 10 years without making the tournament. Right. Under... Two different, three, two different coaches, two, three different two. coaches. Ellerby Eller, Eller and uh, Amaker. Yeah. And yeah. Amaker was and here for a while. Line's first year, they didn't make yeah, it. Right. Yeah, right. Amaker was here for a while that, without making the tournament, you know. I mean. Right. So, so you're going to fire a coach at this place for two years, not making the tournament. I mean, that's why I say it can't just be these two years, right? It's, it's got to be the it, where it looks like it's going and, and his, his temper. Well, also the thing, too, that's a little bit different is, you know, it's a football school and the football program is coming off a lot of success and you can't help but just measure it. It's 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 probably not fair, but you measure one against the other of look at what we're doing at football. Look at what's happened. Look at how we've done this. And let's not forget that. I mean, John Howard, he was a. I mean, Amaker was somewhat of a high profile, you know, Higher, very, but, very. But he was, Howard's different. He was Shishovsky's protege. He was supposed to be his first great coach, right? Uh, off the right. Mean, it, that was a people felt like that was a great get when that happened. I remember, I remember that well. And by oh, the yeah. and by the way, the last time they won a title is about the last time the football, the basketball team started tanking. So it was similar. They won the title in '97, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the beginning of the downfall of the basketball program. It's like a teeter totter. Yeah. But yeah, that's you can't help but the, you know, and and probably there's I would imagine a lot of the you know well heeled donors for basketball are probably the same guys who are you know throwing in for football. I mean, it's probably all athletics generally. You know, it's, no, it's for so, sure. And, and by the way, Carl's players, from what I've been told, that you know what I've been told, kind of off the record, most of the former players, other than the Fat Five, are sick of him and 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 want to change. And some have even started taking the social media or some of Beeline's guys. So that's that's been interesting, you know, but it's yeah, it's it's tough. It's the optics. It's the optics of like, look at how we got to the mountaintop in football, 
and we're in the basement and in basketball, you know, like what, why can't we be both not even, maybe not even great in basketball. Sure. You want to be great, but good and consistent and better. And, you know, representing your school, you know, better, you know, all these things, just all of it, you know, no, I don't know. I mean, a, a sweet 16 run next year will probably fix a lot of problems, I guess. It would, no, it would it completely would. And you, and you never know. Look, he, I, I don't think there's a, if there's any argument at all to bring him back, I'm not entirely sure what it is other than, I guess, if you want to take away the, the behavior issues and the recruiting issues. I mean, they're not recruiting issues, but the fact that there are no recruits in coming in as of right now, if you take that away and just say, Hey, you had three good years and two bad years. Is that is that enough to get rid of them? I mean, maybe that's the only way you could justify bringing them back if you just want to take the record of the five years in a in a vacuum. And because he's had some success, so he's shown he's can do he's shown he can do it. Look, yeah. you know, yes, he had some of Beeline's guys, no no question. But uh, but anyway, look, we, we're we're kind of running out of time, Carl. So we can't really we'll have to get to Michigan State and. and There'll be time because they're they're I assume going to make the tournament unless they completely bottom bottom out. That's a different story because some of that fan base is getting restless up there too, you know. But the standards different, right? It's 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 different, and they're spoiled a little bit. And uh, well, the the NCAA selection committee takes like what 10, 11 Big Ten teams every year. So well, they won't they won't this year. No, the Big Ten's down this year. They'll 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 probably be six. They love the Big Ten. Maybe seven. It's it's TV money. But but no, but they go by the nets and all these rankings and the 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 math of all that. The Big Ten's not going to. The Big Ten didn't have as many last year, and I I would imagine fewer this year. But uh, yeah, we'll get into Michigan State down the road. They had a tough loss. They just didn't play with any kind of heart, I didn't think, and uh, competitive spirit in the first half. Did more in the second half. Maybe they were tired, whatever. There are always reasons for things in life, Carlos. But they've got some issues. They had been playing better, though. They'd won three in a row before that, and overall it won, what, 8 of 10 or something? That So they had been trending generally in an okay direction, and they're starting to figure some things out. I, you know, Do they have enough time to get it all the way figured out? We'll see. And we'll talk about that more next week. In the meantime, we need to take a break because we need to get the Lindsey Green, bring her in here, and uh, talk about something that really matters, and that's food. Right, Carlos? That's all that matters. Okay, and forgive me if I repeat myself later. But all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, it's 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 time we welcome in somebody with a little bit more esteem, or if you prefer prestige, that's fine. Talent, whatever you want to say. We, it, we need to we need to class this uh, podcast up, and I think we have the perfect guest to do it. Our own Lindsey Green, James Beard, award nominated Pulitzer Prize finalist. I mean, I don't even know what to say after that, but I'm going to keep going. She's she's here, Carl's, to talk about the Detroit Free Press and Metro Chevy Dealers Top 10 New Restaurants and Dining Experiences, which launches March 5th, or if you want to get technical, the week of March 3rd, you, you choose. In any case, let's let's get Lindsey Green in here, Carl's, and talk about something that people actually care about, and that's food. Welcome, Lindsey. Hello. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for that intro. I need you guys with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Well, I try to do that Sean for Carlos, too. Hype, man, anytime. 
I, I try to do that for <laughs> Carlos too. You know, he he uh, Carlos carries around a lot of esteem himself. So <laughs> so what can what look? I know you can't tell us. I wish you could, but I know you can't tell us what these who what these restaurants are, what these dining experiences are, and maybe you can tell us what a Chevy is. But you know. <laughs> But I, but can you can you give us maybe some hints or can you talk around a little bit about what what we have to look forward to next month? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you kind of just what the the theme is this year. So we, it's actually kind of an exciting year. So this is ten years of the top ten program. So back in 2014, we ran our first list, our first top ten list. I think previously, Sylvia Rector, former restaurant critic, she had been doing a top 10 or something similar, but the restaurants hadn't been ranked, which was, you know, just kind of a way to kind of celebrate, you know, 10 new restaurants as the scene started growing. And then officially in 2014, they started ranking them. So from one to 10, number one being the best restaurant dining experience in town. They they kicked that off. And so we've been doing that now for 10 years. We are in 2024 now. So this is our 10th list. And so this year is sort of just honoring that kind of legacy, you know, kind of just building upon what we've done for the past decade, which is really exciting and really cool and really interesting to see how the package has kind of evolved over the past 10 years with the way the dining scene has kind of evolved over the past 10 years. You know, the other component that we have is the top 10 takeover series. And so that kind of was established as a as a way to allow readers to enjoy these restaurants that are on our list with us. You know, it's a dinner series that runs typically from around March or April through the fall. And it gives everyone a chance to come and eat with us at each of these restaurants. We get to honor the restaurants and present them with an award and just have a good time and eat. So this will be our 10th dinner series too, which is pretty exciting. You know, I have a question. It's just, I mean, there's so many restaurants, right? I mean, like it's just, uh, and just even reading it in the free press, it's just uh, this like tsunami of information. I mean, you, I I don't know if they, 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 do they lock you in a room and make you just work from like the minute that this one's over till next year? Because it's just this this flood of of wonderful writing and and reviewing. But what goes into like whittling that down and coming up with the top new restaurant? I mean, what you know who the top new restaurant is? You won't tell us, even though we've threatened you and begged you. But how do you make that? How do you get to the number one spot? What goes into that? What went into that this year for your selection? Yeah, it's so the process is really a year long process. You know, I'm eating out at least three times a week, sometimes more, often more. By the way, I'm sorry, I have to stop you just right there. Sean just had a little mini stroke knowing (laughs) that you're getting paid to eat out three times a week. So, yeah, that's a. Uh, a good tough tough job Lindsay but I'm sorry keep going keep going <laughs> it's Sean true will recover and you can keep talking <laughs> I do have the best job it <laughs> is uh, there's lots of perks but yeah so I'm, I'm eating out throughout the year and kind of just keeping tabs on which have been my you know top meals of the year and kind of just jotting it down in my notebook and making mental notes of where they might land on the list. So it really is something I'm thinking about year round. I start to really prep around November. So last November is when I really started, you know, creating the list. Sometimes it starts as a list of 20 and then it gets narrowed down, narrowed down. I think what you'll see 
with it being the 10th year is how that process kind of has changed over time. And that's really just reflective of how the scene has changed over time. You know, I think I've been in Detroit now for seven years. You guys have been here much longer and you've seen really the dramatic change of the restaurant scene, I'm sure. But for me, it's, you know, at one point there were, you know, maybe a couple new restaurants that opened here and there. Now we're at feels like there's a new restaurant every couple weeks, you know. And so it's not only just thinking about what, you know, a great meal or a great ambiance or a great service. It's really starting to see restaurants kind of battle against each other with the extras, you know, with the bonus elements that they have, which has tended to be you know, what are they doing beyond the food to sort of serve the community? You know, are they thinking about things like sustainability? Are they, I don't know, offering, you know, there are some places that you'll go where you can buy a meal for your neighbor. You know, they'll just, you'll maybe pay $20 extra and that goes towards a meal for somebody who might not be able to afford it. So things like that are really helping to make this list more than just, you know, great food is the baseline. But it's the extra stuff that really, I think, lands them on the list. And and something else I'm thinking about is that great food isn't just, you know, served in a conventional brick and mortar anymore. We've got a lot of really exciting pop ups here. We've got great food trucks. We've got people who are serving really delicious food in these sort of unconventional ways. And so you'll see some of that on the list this year. We did that last year, too. That's really interesting to think about and how how the restaurants are trying to, I guess, what differentiate themselves. At some point, though, it's just it's about the delicious bite. And by the way, just to set the record straight, I I, I reviewed. Maybe we've talked about this on this podcast with you, Lindsay. I, I reviewed restaurants for a short stint in Alabama and couldn't do it because because it's I, I I like food too much and I didn't want the pressure of I just wanted to go eat. And I didn't want the yeah. pressure of having to write about it. You know, I, I know I've heard sports sports writers talk about that before, that it's ruined their their fandom and they and they miss just being a sports fan. You know, I don't feel yeah. that with sports so much, but I did with food. So I don't know. Maybe, Interesting. Yeah, maybe maybe for Carlos, because he grew up a huge fan of a couple of, you know, several teams in Los Angeles. And he can still be that fan and, and write about Detroit sports. So he's kind of got the best of both, right? <laughs> right, right, Carlos? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it. Well, I guess it's kind of like you're. I wouldn't want to cover my favorite team. That's for sure. Like, I don't. I would never want to cover the Dodgers or the LA Kings, you know. But I guess that'd be like if Lindsay's writing, covering just her favorite restaurant, you know, that would be kind of weird, you know. But yeah, I mean, you, you know. So Lindsay, just to clarify it, and for the listener out there, you know, like Sean had that problem, but you know, most of us are adults and understand. You can review something and also enjoy your dining experience elsewhere. So, Sean, but Sean does eat a lot. So that's that is a problem. No, it's though. not. But no, Lindsay, no, 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 no. Lindsay understands it has nothing to do with adulthood. Not that you know anything about adulthood, but 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 Lindsay understands that. Right. You, it's, you just you don't. It's the work. You don't want to work. It's it's you just yeah, want to you, you want I get to, it. You want to do your hobby or what, what you enjoy. You don't want you don't want it to be associated with earning a living. It, yeah, me, I mean, no, that's I how it, it. that's I how mean, it was for me. For me, I think I just I love to eat. And so the eating part is the easy part. And yeah, it maybe gets a little trickier when you have to articulate why the food was so amazing or what was so, you know, what was so fantastic or otherwise about a dining experience. But I it never for me, it never 
feels like work to sit down and have a really delicious meal or or not a great meal either. You know, I just I I was a takeout kid, too. I grew up on lots of fast food. I grew up on eating out all the time in New York City. Like I that is how I've lived my life forever. So, yeah, it, it hasn't lost its luster for me. Writing, yeah, can be a challenge. But um, once you get into the groove, it's all fun. Another thing that I struggle with. Get- oh, go ahead, Carl. Sorry. Just wondering, do you ever get, does it ever, you know, you're, you're, are you able to separate it entirely or is it sometimes seep your criticism and critical thinking sometimes seep into like, you know, this horsey sauce on this Arby's thing is just not quite right. It's just a little, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, does that ever happen to you that, that professionalism seep into your kind of basic enjoyment of stuff sometimes? Not really. You know, I think it's funny because I haven't necessarily formalized my process, but I, I think what I tend to do is when I sit down to eat, I really try to just have the experience. I'm talking with, you know, my husband or whoever my dinner companion is. I'm having a good time. Uh, But what I try to do is take photos of my dish. Like even if I it's not to just take a photo so that it looks beautiful and I can post it on Instagram. I'm taking a photo so that I can remember what the, you know, what the bite looked like, what that bread looked like when I bit into it. Was it soft? Was it crunchy? Was it chewy? You know, getting little details of like, those were sesame seeds and that sauce was, you know, a a dark color or whatever it is. I try to really take photos and also do little voice notes for myself to kind of remember things that, come to me as I'm eating without it taking over my experience, you know, so that when I sit down to write, then I can go back and remember all of the little things that I might not have really been paying close attention to while I was eating, but I can remember them, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing the work. One thing that is funny, funny enough back in, this was, I guess in the nineties, when I was doing these restaurant reviews, the other thing I struggled with, and I was in a much smaller market at that point in a town in Northern Alabama, and that was part of it. But writing critical restaurant reviews, especially in a market like that, especially when the restaurant, and we didn't really write about change, right? So so somebody's saved up or borrowed, or somebody's yeah. stuck their neck out in a huge way. And, and if it's not very good, and you owe it to the readers to say, okay, there's really struggling here, but you couldn't potentially ruin their business. That's yeah. a really, really tough spot. It's not like being critical of what when Carlos and I are critical of a, an athlete or a general manager or coach or whatever, they're making millions of dollars. It's it's not going to ruin their right. life financially. So it's it's right. it's not at all the same. Do you? How do you handle that? How do you deal with that? Because I I struggle with that. Thinking about the effect of that. Yeah. I mean, I haven't written too many critical reviews. There have been a couple where I've, you know, either completely just, you know, shared a negative experience or in some where I try to keep it balanced and, you know, kind of celebrate what they do well, but also don't ignore the things that they could work on. But that is something I do think about. You know, I think about what is the, what's the word I'm looking for? I just, I just weigh out what, what this could do to the business. You know, I think about how big a business is, how small it is, you know, whether they've got other properties, which would kind of say, mm, they, you know, they're doing okay. I think about for the reader, you know, 
What do they need to know? Really, that's sort of at the center of it. What do they need to know? Where is their money going? And if their money is not going to something that I think is really worth the investment, I think it is important to be honest and to share that with them. Because, you know, I do feel it's it's interesting. You kind of walk a fine line of definitely being in service of the reader. But as a member of this community and at the Detroit Free Press, I think we are very much in support of business owners, you know, at least I, I feel like I am. I do want to, to acknowledge that I'm not trying to ruin their businesses, but hopefully I'm there to kind of make them better. And if they can take some of my advice and some of my feedback into consideration and and use that to improve their businesses, hopefully in some ways that, you know, in some ways I helped. Sounds good. Yeah, that's that sounds like the right kind of goal to have for the for the job, I would say. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's tricky, and 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 I know. Look, negative criticism, especially with food or the arts or this with sports, whatever, it's often fun to read, right? It 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 triggers the the dopamine in, in an awful lot of people, and and it's easy to lose sight. It's you know, right. I, it, it's easy to lose sight of, of what's really go, going on. And another thing too, and and you do this. This is partly why you became a Pulitzer finalist, but, you know, Carlos was joking earlier about me and food and writing and all that. I, I do occasionally like to write about food, but as a, a personal experience, it it, it it attaches to some part of my life in some way. So it's almost a, a nostalgia. In fact, I'm, yeah. I've, I've got a piece in the back of my head that, that has to do with homemade noodles and and a little farm town in Illinois that's so that that's tied into my father and childhood and separation and the pain of all that, right? So I'm happy to write about food when it's like that. But to, but, yeah. but I, I I feel like some of that that you try to get at that maybe not that exact thing, but that comes through in your writing and your work. And do you think about that? That food is a is almost like music is a marker of your life and associations in, in your life. Smells, tastes, all that. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite type of food writing. You know, I really enjoy. You know, my my title is dining and restaurant critic, and so part of my job is to do this, right? To to work on restaurant of the year and this top ten list. But the other part of my job is really just just talking about food and all of the ways that it shows up in our lives in this city. And that's my favorite part of the job. I really enjoy being able to share. You know, not even just share my own personal stories about food and my connections to, you know, culture and things like that, but but to share other people's stories and how food shows up in their lives. I really, I really do love kind of covering food as this connector. You know, that's what that's what food is. It's this way to connect all of us in in some form. And a lot of that shows up in these personal memories and cultural stories and traditions and even religions, you know, I, I really, I really do enjoy that part of the job. That's my favorite. It's funny. There's some point when I'm working on restaurant of the year, when my editor Khalil turns to me and is like, I can't wait for us to be done with this part so you could get to the good stuff. <laughs> and I agree. It's, there's always a part when it's like, okay, I'm ready to pack this up, present it to the world. It's a lot of fun to to talk about restaurants, but there are always these other ideas that that I'm, you know, jotting down in my notebook and can't wait to to tackle those. Well, let me ask you about the, uh, you know, selection this year is, you know, without giving away too much, what were some of the surprises that you had, you know, whether they were they were, you know, positive things that you hadn't seen before, 
trends, whatever it is, or even some disappointments that you thought, you know, might have uh, missed the mark here or there? You know, that's actually a good question. I have to be honest and say that I was a little nervous earlier this, well, I guess last year in putting this list together because, you know, I think I think coming out of the pandemic, I was really excited about the restaurants that we saw back in. What would that be? That would have been my first list in 22. Yeah, 2022. I was really excited about those because it felt like those were projects that had been in the works for a really long time and had opportunities to sort of, you know, unfortunately, they had to, you know, pause opening their restaurants. But once they were able to open, it seemed like a lot of thought had been really put into them and a lot of heart and soul that went into those restaurants. And I felt really excited about where we were headed back then. I think we were also in the middle of this really difficult time where restaurants were thinking about, you know, paying their staffs, you know, living wages and thinking about ways to kind of make the hospitality industry better. And I was hopeful that that would continue, you know, not just past COVID, but really forever, you know, longer term. And I was a little concerned over this past year that we might have lost sight of that. We started to see restaurants that were bigger and flashier and we got restaurants, we got lots of hotel restaurants this past year. And so those are big projects that are managed by big hospitality groups that are sometimes a lot of times outside of the city. You know, they're not local businesses and you know, I was I was just concerned about what that means for the dining scene and whether that's the trajectory that we're heading moving forward. And I think, you know, I think we came to a place where we I think we're getting back on track. I, I think that we're getting to a place where we are starting to see a lot of really creative projects that are coming in 2024. I think we're seeing that those, you know, those hotel restaurants are needed as the city starts to grow and become this tourist attraction. You guys saw it with sports this year and with the Lions and with the draft coming up. Like we are becoming a destination, I think, in large part to to sports. And so we need these hotel restaurants and these big projects. So I do appreciate them. But I think for a minute, I was a little like, where, you know, where are we going? So I'm really excited that for this 10th anniversary list, what we're able to do is, again, include more than just traditional restaurants, kind of look back on all of the things we've done over the past decade. And so we're able to, you know, shine a spotlight on a food fighter who was able to give back to the community through this kind of this this food lens. We're honoring a chef of the year this year, which is something we've done in the past. So we were able to kind of break out of the traditional, you know, just brick and mortar restaurants, although there are some of those on the list too, but but we're getting some other ways of, I think, shouting out the excellence that's that's on the scene that that you might not expect in a traditional list. Sorry, I'm 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 distracted. I just noticed on my window, and this has nothing to do with food, that FedEx is uh, here delivering a package for a credential and parking pass. And as we record here on Wednesday, this credential parking pass is for a game that's already happened. <laughs> so, so you're not going to make deadline, is what you're saying? No. Well, you know, I I had to find another way in, and but that's just that's funny that you know normally it's not that big a deal if if a package is a day late, right? But this one did kind of matter. <laughs> speaking of speaking of sports and all that, so 
Before we let you go, Lindsay, and I know you've got to, to get on to other things. You've got other, in fact, podcasts to do. Trader, thanks a lot. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but just a, a few of your of your favorite bites that aren't on the upcoming list. And by the way, you'll be proud of me. Maybe, maybe you won't. But I, I finally ate it. How do you pronounce it? Baobab, baobab, baobab fair. Baobab fair. Yeah. Baobab fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was delicious. I had the fish among other things, and it was it's- delicious. Oh, that fish is so good, isn't it's, it? it? It was it was great. I re, the place that I want to go try, and I don't know why Carl's will make fun of me, but I've got schnitzel dreams. I want to go try Alpino, and yeah, and again, you, and, and, you know, I lived in Germany when I was a kid, and so that's probably part yeah. of it. That's probably part as a military brat. That's probably part of it. But I'd love to try that. I don't know if you've tried that, Carlos, but but a few a few bites, a few recommendations that you can send our listeners to that are not on the upcoming list. Yeah, no, Alpino is a great one. You should definitely get there. Also, if you love schnitzel, you should get to Oak Parker. It's a new place in Oak Park. It's kind of like a gastropub. So they've got a small food menu, but, you know, they've got a whole selection of drinks. It's a really cute place. It's They've got great schnitzel there that I love. Let's see, what are some other great bites that I've had? I mean, I'm, I've am i probably said this on this show before just because it's always my go-to, but Yemen Cafe is like one of my favorite spots ever. I just always end up there. That that honey butter bread is just, it's like, I bring my, my friends there when they come, you know, from New York and they're amazed by it. It's just so good. What else? Oh, you know, so I actually want to write a story about this. I think that the chicken chicken drums that they have at Toko Roro in Eastern Market, that's a new spot, are, I don't understand why more people are not talking about it. Like it, it, they're huge. It's almost like having a turkey, a turkey leg, but it's chicken. They're like giant. They're, they come in different, you know, they've got different sauces. I think, I think I might've had like a, a jerk. I can't remember what the seasoning was that I had on it, but it might have been like a barbecue jerk or something like that. Just so good. And I don't know why nobody has has actually shouted that out. That's Toco Toco um, Roro. How do you spell it? Toco. I think it's T-O-C. Don't quote me on this, but I think it's T-O-C-O-R-O-R-O. Okay. okay. In, in Eastern Market. You write that down, Carlos? Very good. <laughs> Toco Roro. So those, yeah, that sounds delicious. How about any any last uh, questions or thoughts, Carl's, before we let our our colleague go? No, I look forward to. It. So when 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 will the top new restaurant be revealed? What date exact is that exactly? If you know it, Lindsay. Yeah, so that's Wednesday, March sixth. We'll be rolling them out all day. Okay. By, oh, by the way, ladder the ladder wine bar is that that still yeah. rolling? That's worth yep. a, that's ladder worth four, a visit. Still going. Ladder four. Sorry, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. They're doing really well. They were just named. I know they were on a Bon Appetit list I recently. That. I, I believe they were on the New York Times list recently. Yeah. So they're doing really, really well. I'm really happy to see them. Car- Carlos, well. one of their di- dish, Carlos, one of their dishes highlighted was a sausage, a chicken sausage, where they actually have the beak coming out of the end of the sausage. <laughs> I thought you liked it. Hard pass on that one, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought, I thought, I thought you <laughs> Not liked interested. it. I will say if, you know, since we're all friends here, Lindsay, do us a solid. And when we know the top, you know, top restaurant, let Sean and I know because we we won't be able to get into that restaurant. And it's, you know, that's my one beef. My one beef <laughs> is it's impossible to get reservations to these places on the weekends. I mean, 
if you want to eat on a Wednesday, sure, any table you want. But after like Thursday, even Thursday sometimes, it was my wife's you know birthday recently. Her birthday's around Valentine's Day, so it's the double whammy. Forget it, you know, two weeks either side of that of her birthday, but weekends. But it was impossible. It was impossible yeah. to find any reservations. I was like going through the list last year of like, oh, let me try this one. Nope, 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 yeah. nope. And I was like, oh man, this is just like, do you want to eat it? four or do you want to eat at 9 30 p.m you know one right. or two exactly those are the only options you have yeah sorry it's kind of my fault especially once the list comes out it doesn't make it any easier but i'm happy for the restaurants i mean sometimes they might not be too happy because it could be a little overwhelming but at the end of the day i think it's it's great for business so happy to to i don't know give them a little boost well, we look forward to your your work. We look forward to the list. Thanks for joining us, Lindsay. Again, if you miss it at the top of the show, excuse me, uh, wherever it was in the show. I, I can't remember where it was in the show. It's one of those days. But if you missed it earlier, Lindsay Green's Detroit. It, can I say it's yours? Let's just say it's yours. The Detroit Free Press <laughs> and Metro Detroit Chevy Dealers Top 10 New Restaurants and Dining Experiences starts on March 5th. Look for, look for that. Look for everything Lindsay writes. She's one of the best in the biz. We're lucky to have her at the Free Press, and we were, we're thankful that you spent some time with us today, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. This is always fun. Yep. Good good to have you in. All right, Carlos, let's take one more quick break. Get on to your favorite thing, because that's what matters. I think may, maybe not as much as Lindsay, of course, but it matters. certainly matters more than me. All right. I, I can't wait to hear that, too. All right. We will be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. It's that time of the show. Hard to come off a Pulitzer, a Pulitzer Prize and James Byrd to our silliness here, but I do love your favorite thing, and reluctantly, I will give you one. I, I, I don't remember if I said how much I enjoyed that we ate it in and out a few weeks back for the NFC title game. That was my favorite thing for the month, so we could just say that could be my favorite thing. That's going to last a while. That was a great memory late night. Eating at a place of your childhood, it's nostalgic for you. That that was great. And I forgive me if I did say that was my favorite thing. If I didn't, that's going to be my favorite thing for a while. But since we have to come up with something afresh, my favorite thing is I, I was trying to write this ridiculous, silly pop culture column about Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl numbers and how it was the most watched Super Bowl ever and the most watched program in American TV, American history since the moon landing, the second most watched. And what that said and all that, I'm like, oh my, I don't have anything to offer. I'm just a, the putts. And I'm working through that. And I had to fill a hole, though, and I'd been thinking about something else. I'd been thinking about the Tigers and about Scott Harris and Hinch and the way they were talking about the team in comparison to how Al Avila talked about the team a couple of years ago, a few years ago, last time I was out in spring training, actually, and, and where that led to. And then I realized, oh, okay, what I'm writing is basically undoing what Carlos did. And that is that, and, and that really needs to be my job. And it's just, it's, it's a good job. It's a great job. I'm lucky to have that job. And that was, so that was my favorite thing is, is interpreting for reality. You know what I mean? Just, hey, we can just have the counter, counter, counter arguments. And, and, and that's, that, that's great, you know, that, that it's okay for a coach or a general manager to say, hey, this is this is my realistic view of the team right now. And, uh, you know, we're not afraid to talk about winning, which I think A.J. Hinch did say. 
but but that's not going to ruin your summer. And you can that you have enough uh, nuance in you. So no, but anyway, your favorite thing was your column. Was no, my favorite thing was re- remembering and realizing my ultimate job here is to uh, you know be the on the other side of the seesaw with you. That's 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 the best way to do it. It's what we're meant to do, and uh, and uh, you know plus then it helps me toss out garbage. I had no business writing about the lunar landing and Taylor Swift. Well, I mean, what was I going to add? Nothing. Yeah, it was, you know, hey, a Super Bowl. Let's keep the Lions. You know what? But your your salvation is nearer because we have, you know, Dave Burkett's first mock draft came out. I saw that. Good for him. I saw that. We got, we got what, the the combine coming up pretty soon and then the draft and all that. So we're... As somebody somebody said the other day, the second most popular sport in America is the NFL offseason. And that might actually be, that might be true. At this, yeah. at this point where you see the NBA numbers, the baseball numbers have tanked, hockey's a niche sport. I mean, that actually might be true, Carlos. Yeah, no, for sure. It's a niche sport, except it's a hockey town here. But, uh, you know, original six team, who cares? They're going to make the playoffs. Okay. No, but you're right. Absolutely. The NFL, the NFL is a perfect league because it's designed itself over time to matter. Every month of the year, it matters crazy. in some way. There's something going it's on. crazy. Yeah, you know, so. No, but my my favorite thing, you know, was watching not having to wait at a restaurant. That was your favorite thing. And that, if that ever happens, yes. But my favorite thing was watching your favorite sport, second favorite, maybe second favorite sport was women's college basketball, Sean. And I'm disappointed you weren't there actually. But when Caitlin Clark broke the women's college basketball scoring record, career scoring record against your, you know, women's Michigan women's Wolverines, few days ago, that was a really cool moment. I'm, I, I was really glad to see it. You know, it was, she's she's an amazing player. She hit it with a, I think a 40 foot three pointer. I mean, it was insane. And uh, it was just a, a really nice moment for the sport. It doesn't get enough attention probably, but just seeing how, uh, you know, her, they, they, they called the timeout shortly after that. And you know, celebrated on the court a little bit. And it was just a cool thing to be able to, to see that moment. And then I think that I think based off of Clark's, you know, popularity, I think the women's tournament, it's in Minneapolis, the Big Ten, it's already sold out, I want to say. And I don't know if that's happened before, but that's just a really cool moment for the sport. And I hope it, hopefully that we're going to see more of this kind of stuff, you know, these, you know, the women getting their due and and now with NIL money. I mean, I think that I saw some article that she might be, it might be better for her to stay in college and get more, she'd get more money in NIL than she would go into the WNBA or whatever. So, you know, that that might be a new a new avenue for women to pursue in college sports where they're definitely not, you know, the highlight, you know, athletes compared to men's basketball and football. But it was a cool moment. I was I was glad I watched it and it was inspiring. So that was my favorite thing. Yeah, no, that that is cool. I missed that. I, I don't I had something Else going, or I don't remember what it was. It may have been, it may have been a high school game. I've been to a, a decent amount of them lately. Although that's that's about to end, and that that that'll be my favorite thing for another day, right? We can't can't always make it that. In any case, Carlos, yeah, no, I love being on the other side of the seesaw with you. That's the that's the key. Hopefully, it'll take us to retirement. Yeah, another 15, 20, 30 years will be done. Yet another twenty, thirty years. Yeah, that's that's a good one, Carlos. You you are funny though, you know. Your humor comes through in your columns, your your grace, your humanity, you know. Joie de vivre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and in your, your yeah, your mug, you're just kind of you know you everybody's friend there, looking out from the 
the pages or the screens, really, these days. That's where it is. It's, uh, you know, it's nice. I'm not going to say anything about your physical appearance because, hey, we don't objectify this podcast. We don't. We don't. It's, you know, your handsomeness has nothing to do with anything, right? And you, and you, and you don't control that anyway. I mean, I guess you could work out and so forth. But those are, those are beyond our... Though those things are, they come from some, some implants and yeah, that's yeah, true. That's you true. Can control your appearance. Come on, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I guess you know you can shave. God, I, I, I we'll, we'll want to talk about this in some other podcast. But I went to a, I went to a sporting event unshaven for the first time. I maybe I've done it before. I couldn't remember. And I was, I felt a little bit like my dad would be watching down, disapproving. But I just ran out of time. I had such a busy day, one thing after the next, and 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 didn't have time to shave before I went to the Michigan State Iowa game. I thought, oh. My pops is not happy, right? You know, he's a military guy, right? So, but in any case, oh, the the dog is barking. I'm going to tell that to our listeners. Carl's is messaging me that the dog is barking. So he's on mute. You guys probably like that? No? No, we we, we don't want to do that. All right. While the dog is barking, let me wrap up the show. And and thank you all for listening. And we want to thank Carl's. Can you thank anybody or no? Are you just going to stay on mute the rest of this way? You're going to stay on mute the rest of the way. All right. Well, let's thank our producer, Robin Chan. Let's thank Kirkland Crawford, the sports editor, Anjanette Delgado, who runs a lot of things at the Free Press. And she's an editor that's very important. How about that? Nicole Avery Nichols. She's the she's the boss. We're going to thank her. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hopefully one of yours. Obviously, Spotify, Apple. The important thing is to subscribe, rate us, let us know what you think. And mostly keep listening. Carl's just uh, tended to his dog. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in this podcast. Somebody's going to go mute because there's a little, a little doggy barking and making a lot of noise, and, and that's why we like it. Life's unpredictable. Hopefully, this podcast is a little bit too from time to time. Thanks again to Lindsey Green for making time. Make sure you read her stuff next month, and we will be back next week. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>